Good morning, guys. Hey, so it's Facebook official, so I thought I can talk about it here. Kristen is pregnant again. Have a number two. Yep, it's official. She went to the doctors and had blood work done, and they said that her hormone level is high. I said, how much do we spend on that test? I could have saved us some money. I, I just, um, oh, is she here? Oh, just kidding. But yeah, it is awesome, and what an incredible blessing, and I just want to thank you guys so much as our family, as our church, for the incredible support system that you've been for us and encouragement, and it has meant so much to us, so thank you. Uh, it's always a blessing and an honor to be here speaking and hasn't the series been incredible, Pursuit of Happiness? Hasn't it been good? I have loved it. I've gotten so much out of it. And has anybody here seen the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness? Did this inspire anyone to run out and get the uh, red box it? Um, in the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, Will Smith's in the movie. If you've ever seen it, you're probably still crying. It's the most heartbreaking movie of all time. Uh, but Will Smith's character is down financially, and the whole movie is about his struggle, like his mental battle of being down but still fighting. And so it's crazy to dissect his mindset in the middle of it. And there's one part where Will Smith's character, he says, it was then that I was thinking about Thomas Jefferson writing the Declaration of Independence. And he said, I wonder why Thomas Jefferson chose to use the words life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He says, was it because Thomas Jefferson realized that happiness is impossible, that happiness is unattainable, and maybe the closest we can get for having a right is to pursue happiness? And to be totally honest, I've probably connected with this mindset in my life more than I care to admit, right? And you hear people talking about happiness and fulfillment, and you're like, you got to be kidding me. I'm barely hanging on here, you know? I'm barely hanging on financially. I'm barely hanging on relationally. I'm barely hanging on just with life's purpose. And so for me, it has been so refreshing to have an entire series where we are reminded as a church that God's desire, God's intent for us is to have a full, free, satisfying life. And even more than that, I've loved that we've come together as the church, so the church, the people that make up the church, and as a church, Mariners HB, and in a very practical way, in a very open and vulnerable way, we've kind of laid out on the table and said, there are things in our lives that we're either doing or not doing that are keeping us from living the life that God intends. And it's a condemnation-free zone it's a guilt-free zone where we can just say, as humans, we're imperfect. Let's look at the things standing in the way of us living that life. I don't know if anybody here has ever heard of the uh, dashboard concept, dashboard items. Maybe you, have, maybe you call it something different. But it's been something that's been instrumental in my life for processing and for growth. And so I thought I'd share it with you guys this morning. Um, the concept is, the idea is, if uh, a pilot is in the cockpit of a plane... I don't know if you ever poked your head in there and looked around or not, but there's about 3,000 buttons and gauges, and there's just total chaos. The idea is that the pilot is only really looking at about three or four gauges in the cockpit. He's not looking around at 3,000 all the time, right? 
is looking at these three or four gauges, and if they're good, things are good, but if one of those is in the red, then you look at subsequent gauges or subsequent, like almost subcategories to find out what is contributing to that being in the red. Okay, so for our relationships, if relationships are one of those gauges and our relationships are in the red, we look at these subsequent gauges to find out what is contributing to that. So two weeks ago, we talked about anger, right, and how that's a huge one. And if anger is in the red, we look underneath that and see what is contributing to our anger being in the red. And it may be pride or envy or just, you know, tension from past hurt or guilt, But when that flares up and anger flares up and anger is prominent in our life and anger is a big thing that shows up every single day, if you even have relationships, chances are that they're not healthy and they're definitely not what God has intended them to be. Then last week we talked about lust and how that's another gauge. And if lust is in the red, there are contributing factors to that, right? There can be just lack of identity. There can be confusion of intimacy, big one for me is just uh, like a lack of eternal perspective. You know, it's all about now, what I want, when I want it. So I bring it up because um, I believe, to extend the metaphor, that relationships are important enough that if we are the pilot in this cockpit flying through life, sounds like a bumper sticker, but whatever. (laughs) If we're just flying through life, that I would challenge relationships are important enough that they should be one of the top three gauges that we are continually monitoring that are either make or break for us pursuing and achieving the life and the identity that God has intended for us. That's how important they are. Um, We're going to look today at Scripture that how God uses relationships, he uses interactions, he uses even the relationships in this room, uses relationships as one of the primary vehicles with which he pours out grace into our lives. Say that again, that God uses relationships as one of the primary vehicles with which he pours out grace into our lives. And almost just as cool is that we grow. It says that we spiritually grow. We spiritually become more like Christ. We are spiritually more intimate with God. We spiritually grow because of relationships, which is insane that you can take a messy, broken person and a messy, broken person, put them together, and you get something beautiful, right? (laughs) Where both parties thrive and grow And it looks beautiful, thriving, growing, beauty. It looks nice. But even things that look beautiful have turnoffs, right? Even Brad Pitt wears skinny jeans, okay? (laughs) Things that look beautiful have got turnoffs. So I thought we should just lay it out there and say, there are some turnoffs, okay? There are some turnoffs to relationships. And let's just throw them out there. Because they're also actually very um, important biblical truths. Number one, number one turnoff is that the people that God will send into your life and the relationships that God uses to pour his grace into your life and to spiritually grow you oftentimes will be with people who aren't like you and that you don't necessarily like. (laughs) Dang it, right? (laughs) 
people who aren't like you and that you don't necessarily like. Which seems very counterintuitive, because if, you're like, if relationships are to build me up, if that's the purpose of relationships, don't you tell me, who, I know who builds me up, and I know who does not build me up, right? Anybody here ever taken Myers-Briggs? Okay, I'm an ENFP. I'm an INFP, even, even better, right? If I even smell an ESTJ, <laughs> I'm just going to throw up, okay? I'm going to put on my headphones, I'm going to listen to whale sounds, and we're just going <laughs> to going to pretend like all is right with the world, right? <laughs> but therein lies the fundamental root problem of humans in relationship. The root problem is that we as humans are innately self-focused. We are innately self-focused. We default to be self-serving. Two weeks ago, we talked about anger and the controlling nature of rage how we use anger to manipulate conversations and manipulate relationships and manipulate friendships to make everything as comfortable as possible for me. Last week we talked about lust and the self-focus of lust. And there's a word satiety, which means instant gratification, how, how pornography and sleeping around is just to quench, to satisfy this physical satiety. And because it is innate within us, it's transcendent, and so it keeps going, doesn't stop. If lust is to satisfy physical satiety, then relationships then exist to quench emotional satiety. And it's about comfort, and it's about me. And so God is going to use, if God wants to bless you through relationships, if he wants to maximize the blessings that he pours into your life, maximize the amount of truth and grace and love that is poured into your life, oftentimes he is going to use relationships with people who are not like us and that we don't necessarily like. Turn off number two, that relationships are work. Relationships are a lot of work, right? Anybody who's been in a long friendship and a marriage knows how much work relationships are. Hopefully this is not a revelation to everybody, right? Hopefully everybody knows how much work it is. Um, I did want to address this because the entire series, Caleb has been saying a phrase, maybe you remember it, that happiness is received, not achieved, right? Happiness is received, not achieved, which is true, but I want to make sure that we're not disillusioned to think that just because happiness is received, it means that it doesn't take any effort or work on our part. Right? Happiness received doesn't mean that we sit in a recliner in our undies, you know, <laughs> watching the rocketeer and just like, <laughs> life of fulfillment, hit me with it, right? That is not, <laughs> that's not it. What it means when God says that happiness is received, it means that God is the source of our happiness. God is the source of our happiness. We are not the source of our own happiness. We're talking about relationships today, right, with other people. Other people are not the source of our happiness. Now, other people can be used as vessels to align you with God and to grow you, but God is the source of our happiness. Uh, so today, the goal of today's message essentially is for this rallying cry for us as a congregation, as a church, 
for us to recognize the importance of relationships. Because if we don't, if we are not fully convinced, if we are not 100% on board that relationships are necessary, are a necessary component of us achieving the life that God has intended for us, if we don't believe that, we're going to get two months down the road, we're going to be hanging out with people we don't like, we're going to realize how much work it is, we're going to say, screw this, right? So we have to be on board. We have to recognize today how important relationships are. So don't listen to me today. Well, okay, listen to me. But it's not me. It's not me. This is not Graham. We're looking at Scripture today. Read these Scriptures. And I think that the Holy Spirit is going to speak here today to this room. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to the church and say that I have dramatic, thriving, positive, satisfying plans for your life, ways that you can change. And maybe in some capacity, we're stiff-arming God's plan for us. Um, So why? Why relationships? Let's get get on board. Inside of your bulletin, you'll see a little insert. We're going to go over a ton of stuff today, just to let you know. Um, So I would take some notes. Maybe you can mull over it later. At the very least, maybe the the fill-ins. Everybody loves fill-ins, right? I always feel like a winner when you do fill-ins. I don't know what that is. Um, Okay, number one, fill-in number one. We were designed for relationships. We were designed for relationships. Now, most of us can operate things, certain things, out of the realm of their design, right? Everybody here's smart. Everybody here's seen MacGyver. We can all ghetto rig something and operate things outside of their design, but it doesn't always live up to the potential with which it was created. Here's some examples. Yep. <laughs> so I'm probably not the original design. Actually, this guy might be the smartest man on earth. Catch a couple fish, flip that baby over, and grub time. Next. Okay. Yeah. If you ever can't find your bike pump, but you got a spare set of bagpipes laying around, here's a good little life hack. Next. Yeah, huh? Something just tells me that there's more potential to that wall clock than they're using it for. All right, so you get it. The point is that we can operate, we can live, we can function in isolation, but it doesn't work the way that it was intended to work, right? We, as human beings, were not designed to thrive in the absence of relationships. If you have your Bibles today, turn to Genesis 1, 26, right at the beginning right at the beginning of the Bible. We're also going to have it up on board. We're skipping around a little bit, so bear with me. Genesis 1.26. I can throw that up there. Then God said, let us. So right off the bat, you see that God is a vegetarian. (laughs) Little lettuce joke never hurt anybody, right? Okay. First service hated that. Apparently lettuce has hurt somebody in the first service. Doesn't matter. But actually, this is crucially important that that God says this. God says, let us, and actually in that, notice the plural. Let us, right? So there is actually a conversation here happening in the, so I'm going to use two words here. Maybe you've heard them before, maybe not. Godhead and Trinity. Maybe you've heard those terms, maybe not. Godhead, 
Trinity. And this is the beginning of the Bible. Later, God actually will give revelations to the authors of Scripture, to the people writing the Bible, where he essentially discloses that at the core essential nature and being of God, he exists as three distinct persons. That God is made up of three distinct persons, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And one day we'll get to heaven and we'll have a perfect way to explain that with a beautiful metaphor and things will be great. But we know that it's mystifying and it's beautiful and it's harmonious. And it's so important to recognize that at the core of God's existence, the core of his being, he exists in relationship. So then it says in Scripture that there's a conversation happening that says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so we have been created with the same design, the same need and desire for, the same dependence on relationships. The first relationship that God ever created was he took the sameness, the oneness of man, and then he created two distinct, two different genders, right? It says male and female. He created them. And then he designed us in such a way that we are interdependent on each other to propel the human race forward. He designed it that way. That was his choice. And so at the core of our being, at the core of our nature, we are designed with a dependence on relationship. So number one for why relationships was uh, we were designed for relationships. Number two in the fill-in, zapping is not God's plan A. Zapping is not God's plan A. Let me explain a little bit. So I'm lonely Right? And I say, oh, God, ease this sorrow, lift this, lift this pain. And then we just expect a lightning bolt from heaven and zap. I'm not lonely anymore. Right? Or have somebody wrestling with, with like a consistent, continual, mind-numbing sin that you just can't seem to get out of. Right? Somebody's wrestling with just pride. Somebody's wrestling with codependence. Somebody's wrestling with sex addiction or drug addiction. And you just say, ready, ready when you are, God, right? I'm still, still sitting here, still watching the Rocketeer. Let's do this thing. And zap, yeah, no longer wrestle with pride. That's awesome. Zap, hey, no longer a sex addict. This is awesome. And the fact is that God does not zap us to spiritual maturity, to growing closer to him. God does not zap us into spiritual growth. God's original design was that he would send people, relationships, to help us grow. That was his design. So how do we know this? Let's look at scripture. Ephesians 4.16 He's talking to the church, right? The people making up the church. And actually, I don't think I put it up here, but in Ephesians 4, 15, it says, this is the relational component, it says that we, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love to each other, we grow to become the mature body of him, the head, that is Christ. 
Okay, now we pick up in verse 16. Um, this is recognizing Christ as the head, us as the body, right? From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, look at this, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So how do we grow as Christians? How does that work? Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has the blueprint for our growth. He's got the blueprint for our life. He's got the blueprint to make us like him. And he has these craftsmen, these architects, these workers called other people who use their gift to speak into each other's life to minister to each other. So in the absence of other people, we are essentially not experiencing God's plan A for our growth. An example of this, we've been going through pursuit of happiness, right? And for me, it's been just transformational that I can lay these things out on the table and I can say my zeal, my passion has become more like Jesus every day. My zeal and passion is to live the life that God has intended for me. And so I lay things out like pride and insecurities and inadequacies and lack of understanding and my blind spots and my fear. And in that moment, God will use you to speak into my life. God uses other people to change us and to grow us. Here's how he does that. Look in 1 Peter 4.10. Give you a second to flip there. 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So every single person here has been given something special to offer to the people around you. Right? Um, oh, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So if your gift is administration, okay, I don't know if Tessa Williams is out there, but she, but she helps me with junior high. She is administratively gifted. I am not. But when she uses the gift of administration, she is actually dispensing God's grace into my life. When you use the gifts that God has designed inside of you, whether it's teaching or encouragement or serving or coaching or mentoring, whatever it is, when you use those gifts, you are dispensing God's grace on the people around you. They are receiving God's grace through you. Continuing on, 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone speaks, if you're speaking into somebody's life, right? So in other words, God can use humans to speak his words. That's important to know. God can use humans to speak his words. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, this is so huge, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is important because a lot of times we think that if there's human involvement in something positive, 
that it can't be God. Right? Or if we're going to credit human involvement to something that God is doing, that somehow we're robbing him of the glory. And this passage is saying the exact opposite. When we operate in the gifts that God has given us and we operate in the way that God has designed us, God is receiving glory from us operating the way that he has intended. That's how he gets glory. So if God sends you, maybe you've ever felt sometime, I just feel like I should go give that person a word of encouragement. God will send people on a mission, on a little mission Man, go encourage that person. And when you do that, if you ever serve somebody and you're relying on God's strength and God's power in the middle of that, that when you do that, God is glorified. God gets the glory. So the next question is why? Why does he choose to do this? Why does he choose to use people? Why does he choose to use relationships? All right? Why not just zap us? Why not just get it over with? <clears throat> and this is important. God chooses it, and it's because in this interaction, there are two people. There is the, for lack of a better word, the conduit, the person that God is using to dispense and to pour out grace, and there's the person who is receiving what God is pouring out, right? And so, of course, there are benefits for both parties. First, let's look at the receiver, Let's look at the person who is receiving God's grace through somebody. And there's two important things that they're getting. Number one is the actual encouragement, right? The one is actually that God, the creator of the universe, is using somebody else to audibly, specifically, uniquely speak something into your life that is going to bring you closer to him. How insane is that? Earlier this week, we got together as a staff and spent some time praying for each other. And I can tell you, with certainty that God will give prophetic, unique, specific things to you when you need it. He'll speak through other people, and you will recognize how gracious and loving God is through other people's words. The second thing that the receiver gets that is just as important, when we receive from somebody else, from a human, we get the opportunity to exercise the muscle of humility. Get the opportunity to exercise the muscle of humility. And this is crucially important. So this is the vulnerable part of the message, but um, one of my major pitfalls my entire life, uh, one of the things that I've just wrestled with, and it has been there forever, I don't know how it got there, I don't know when it started, but it has been, is social pride. Social pride. I have this arrogance that I fight against that says the way that I exist socially is the best way. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty quick-witted, and I say that's the way that people need to be. Um, I lead with humor first, and I say that's, that's the way that you should do it. That's That's correct. I'm a linear thinker. I think in bullet points. I speak in bullet points. And I say, that's the correct way to process. And I took this pride, this horrible social pride, into my marriage. And as you can imagine, the first year of marriage was nightmarish. It was nightmarish. No laughing, Kristen. 
But to be totally honest, um, it was heartbreaking because I had this beautiful, God-fearing, southern-drawled <laughs> babe you know, who loved Christ and who loved me. I spent so much time and effort trying to manipulate her and change her into who I thought she should be, how I thought she should exist socially. I remember times when we had conversations and I would be trying to change her and she would be trying because she loves me and she would come back with her head like down saying, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry that what? That you are who God has created you to be? Of course, it doesn't stop in the marriage. At that time, it transcended in every area of my life. And this pride, and I found that as the pride got more and more and more, that the number of people I would allow to speak into my life got fewer and fewer and fewer. And pretty soon, the only demographic that could speak into my life were people who were older than I was, people who were funnier than I was, people who were smarter and wiser, who had more Bible knowledge. The only way a person can receive grace from God is if he is humble to receive it. Right? In the absence of humility, you don't receive anything. It says this in Scripture, in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, it says, God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're proud, you don't need anything. If you're proud, you don't need grace. Right? And God doesn't just zap us because we don't get to exercise the muscle of humility. God has designed this because whenever uh, he uses other people to minister to us, it requires us to say, I'm in need, and you, a human being, through God's grace, can help me. The second benefit, of course, in this interaction almost goes without saying, but it's the person who is used to speak into the life of somebody else. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but this past week, inside of the prayer, how God used me, spoke through me, and in this conversation, I was using my gift of encouragement, and I recognized that this person was actually growing. This person was becoming closer to God. This person was recognizing more and more how God felt about them through me, through a broken human. This is the most fulfilling, satisfying um, thing that you can experience because it's what we were designed to do. It's living the life that God has intended. And I want to make sure that everybody in here knows that there is nothing that can discount you from being used by God in the life of another. You are never too far gone to be used by God in the life of somebody else. Now, in your, out, in your uh, insert, I've outlined this prayer. There's those bullet points again. Um, but a three-point prayer that if today, this is the rallying cry, and we're trying to go out of here energized with this, 
I want to make sure that for this next week, we are arming ourselves with an arsenal that every single day, what I'd like for us to try is, as a church, every day this next week, when we get up and our feet hit the floor, we're saying this prayer to align ourselves with what God has intended for us relationally and to live the life that God intends, okay? So it's a three-point prayer. Try it out. Maybe it'll be horrible. Yeah, who knows? Give me feedback. Let me know. But maybe it'll be impactful and align us with what God's desire is. So number one, God, I'm in desperate need of help today. I'm in desperate need of, not I've got everything figured out. Not I checked the schedule. Things look pretty good. I think I can handle it today. God, I'm in desperate need of help today. Number two, and your grace, send your helpers to me today. Let's start to prepare our hearts to receive relationships, to receive words from God through other people. Send your helpers to me today. Number three, please give me the humility to receive that help when it comes. Give me the humility to receive that help when it comes. Now look, you guys know as well as I do that there is an enemy. There's an enemy. Satan is our enemy, and he hates this. And as soon as you hit that door, his desire is to fight and to war against you and to bring you right back into our self-focus. So we need, we need something to go out on. We need to be encouraged. We need gunpowder Right? We need just a propelling component, and I want to unite us on the propelling component of all of this, of relationships. The purpose of all of this is love. We have interactions and relationships with people that we don't necessarily like because we love them, because God first loved us. And when it's a lot of work and it's two months down the road and you realize how much effort it is, we love because God first loved us. He didn't design this for fun. Everything that God designs, everything that God intends is to bring you closer to him. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He's crazy about me. And he's going to use relationships in our life. He's going to use you and the lives of other people to share with them how much he loves them. Think about that. That God is head over heels in love with the people around you. He is jealous for us, friends. He is jealous for us. He loves us. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I just want to lay down this pride. Lord, I just want to receive your love. And if it's through somebody else, it's through relationships, Father, pour it on because I want to know how much you love me. I want to experience your grace and your fullness and your goodness. We as a church are ready. We're, we're ready to receive, Lord. Bring it to us. We lay down our pride. We trust you and we trust that you are jealous for us.